0: And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold him in his glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Welcome to Defending the Faith Nights. So, yes, this is our third, our third installment, or our third. Oops, real broke on this. Uh, the third uh, topic, our third. Yeah kind of false religion, false doctrine, or false cult that we're going to be looking at. So those are, I just want to remind us of the purpose of this. The purpose of defending the faith, nights is to not just equip you with information. We don't want to just fill your head because knowledge has this, has this thing that it does. Sometimes it puffs up your head and it makes it a lot bigger, and which is called pride. And so I don't want to let this be a source of pride, but one that, uh, of humility, one that maybe gets your heart yearning to want to evangelize more the whole goal i was thinking like how can i get redeemer students more passionate about evangelism okay let's teach them let's equip them how to do it so that they have zero excuse um, to do it and so that's that's exactly what we're doing and I, i want to encourage so the whole point of this is just to equip you to evangelize that's the goal and so i really want to be careful that as we're in as we're talking about the three different categories there's false doctrines within the church. That's kind of Roman Catholicism. We looked at that, right? It's within Christianity, but it's, it's deviated from the faith. Um, and so we, we talked about that. We're going to be looking at worldviews. That's like deism. We talked about deism, right? And, and then we're also going to be looking at cults. So Roman Catholicism, Roman Catholicism is not a cult. But there are three primary cults that we're going to be looking at. Well, we may not do all of them, but we're going to be doing the most popular one tonight. And that is the Church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints. And so that is what we know as Mormons, okay? Mormonism. So I have this handout for you. We're going to be following it along. So pass it out quickly if you can. Uh, I'm literally going to be reading from this and, and talking through it. And so hopefully I'll- Pass one around quickly. And if you need one, i got a few extras. Uh, whoever's in the back could collect them so that make sure everyone gets it. So I want to define, as we start off, what is a cult? What makes a cult a cult? Anyone want to guess? What? How do you identify a cult versus a false religion? Anyone know? Okay, good. Well, it's here on the sheet, so... Well, not good. You'll know after this, okay? <laughs> a cult is a religious community gathered about or around a specific person or a person's misinterpretation of the Bible. So cults have to do with a misinterpretation of Scripture or, or, or a, a, a following over a one person, a leader, what they call a cult of personality. Have you heard of that term? It's like if the leader falls, we fall too because they're so um, committed to that one person's ideas. So in common usage among Christians, the word cult usually carries with it the idea of a counterfeit religion with elements of Christian teaching together with new and unbiblical teaching by a compelling founding figure. There is about, I think, as of 2019, I think around 23 or maybe 27 million people that are in cults today. The three most popular cults are Mormonism. There's 16.3 million people in the LDS church, LDS Mormon. I don't know how many is in the Jehovah's Witness church, but Jehovah's Witnesses, that's a cult. And then Christian or uh, Christian science or Scientology. You know, you've probably seen those ads over the Super Bowl. It's like uh, about Scientology. That's also a cult. And then Seventh-day Adventists, Adventists would... We're we're in that category, but they've since changed their doctrines to where they're not in that category. But they kind of are, as well. So three the three hierarchies or three characteristics defining characteristics of a cult are this: first, I numbered them wrong on some years. Um, they say four, five, and six. They should say one, two, and three. It is a hierarchical authoritarian structure of leadership. So you have one person at the top. Our church, Redeemer Church, yes, we have a senior pastor that's John Dirks, but it's elder rule. All right, so we have a plurality of elders that make decisions for our church. And yes, we also are congregationally affirmed. We love to hear what the people have to say as well. We take that into account. But cults, they have an authoritarian structure. Second is they have an extremely narrow set of doctrines and practices to which the consciences of the members are bound by the leadership of the movement. And so... Yes. And the number three, that's pretty self-explanatory. Three, uh, are, or let me go back. Christians, we're bound to the scriptures, right? Not one person's teaching, but the scriptures. Three, an, inherent, an adherence to extra biblical revelation, okay? That is outside of scripture, words that are given or teaching that is given that is on par with the Bible. It is authoritative. Is It is as if God is speaking it. So most cults, Believe that their leader is a prophet, uh, or it's a belief that the founding figure of the cult or the organization alone has interpreted the Bible correctly. (laughs) So, there you have. That's what a cult is. And Mormonism is a fact that it is a cult. Um, It was established in America in 1820. Okay? Well, that's kind of the start of it. So, let's go into the history, the facts about the LDS Church. Who was the founding? Who is the founding prophet or seer of the LDS Church? Anyone? Joseph Joseph Smith, Jr., actually, whose dad was named Joseph Smith Sr. And Joseph Smith Sr. was known for being a treasure hunter. And he would use and practice divination called seer stones. There are these stones that you use that you put into a hat you look into it's kind of like a, a glasses, and you look into a dark place. Usually, it's a hat, and the stones will tell you where treasure is. And so, the Smiths historically were known not positively by anyone in their community. They were known as people that practiced divination. They were known. This is crazy history that I just learned today. Like reading it was so fascinating. Uh, they practiced divination. They would go on treasure hunts, and so and to find this these treasures. And actually, in 1835. Joseph Smith was, I think it's 1830, in the 1830s, Joseph Smith was actually convicted and charged in New York for practicing this kind of divination, which was illegal at the time. He had to pay like $2. That was his fine. So he wasn't in prison or anything, but he paid the fine and then kept doing it. So like I said, so here's some of the facts. It it was founded by the charismatic leader, Joseph Smith. He was born in 1805 in Vermont. He grew up in the Methodist and Presbyterian Church. In about 1820, at 15 years old, Joseph, using the seer stones, claims to have had a revelation of God the Father and the Son who told them that all the Protestant denominations, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, non-denomination, I don't don't know if there's non-denomination, but independent churches, all of them uh, were wrong. They had deviated from the faith that actually they had all apostatized. And so he says that he received this dream, this revelation, uh, at 15 years old. And that he was to be a seer or a prophet of the true church. And so then in 1823, an angel named Moroni showed him in a vision. Actually, no, Moroni is an actual person, but believed to be a, a, an angel. Showed him several golden plates with, the, with inscriptions on them. And the inscriptions were written in, in, in called Reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics. Alright? This is crazy. (laughs) Thank you. Hieroglyphics. Yep. So, which actually, if you ask any Egyptian scholar that there's no such thing as that type of hieroglyphic. Reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics. They don't exist. But the Mormon church will say, yes, this is a historical fact. Yeah, anyway. So, he has these seven golden plates, okay? On the golden plates that he finds... That he finds, I have these inscriptions, and the way that the Book of Mormon was produced was by looking through these seer stones. He put his head in a hat, literally, and then he would he would translate the inscriptions to his buddy, which I have his name here called Cowdrey. All right, and number four in 1827, he began Oliver Cowdrey, and he and he did this where Cowdrey there was a. He did it in a room where there was a, a big blanket, and he was on one side and the other guy was on the other side. Okay? So he's, he's reading these hieroglyphics, giving what is now called the Book of Mormon. That's where it came from. This is historical fact. I'm not making this up. Um, the history is well documented. In 1830, Smith founded the Church of Christ and then renamed it to the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints. Then renamed it again in 1834, called the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, and which was established in 1838, all right, in around New York area. In 1844, they kind of moved around uh, because of the practice of polygamy, which is, is really uh, actually some of the most conservative Mormons still hold to it, which I was just, I can't get into it, but it, it's, it's a whole theological mess even within Mormonism. There's schisms within, within uh, the LDS church over this. Um, because Joseph Smith and his follower, uh, Brigham Young, the second president, and the next guy, they all practiced it. But then the fourth prophet, who speaks on behalf of God, said, no, nope, no more. Because the U.S. government was literally going to seize all their properties and imprison all of their adherents. So, kind of convenient, they had a reinterpreting moment like... Actually, we don't, God is saying that we don't, we don't practice this. So they kind of changed their doctrine so that they could get away with that. Pretty crazy stuff. So in 1844, they end up moving to Navajo, Navajo, Illinois. They were in Illinois. And um, Joseph Smith, uh, he was was, uh, arrested for treason, public disruption, and polygamy. And uh, he tried to destroy you some some of his followers tried to destroy a one of the leading newspapers that was anti mormon They were trying to destroy it, which is how they, they arrested him and then while he was in prison, around uh, two hundred, a band of two hundred uh, a mob of about two hundred people stormed the prison, opened the prison, took Joseph Smith out and his brother, beat him to death, and hung him pretty much. So they were assassinated, and he was the first martyr for the Mormon church, which actually uh, propelled Mormonism even more because they're like, see, the end time prophecies are coming true, right? They're persecuting us. Really fascinating thing. So pro- that's kind of the, the history. Brigham Young succeeds uh, Joseph Smith and they move out to Utah where they founded Salt Lake City. Most of Utah is owned by Mormons, okay? Uh, they own all the real estate. They're very wealthy. The Mormon church has about $5 billion in assets about $1 billion in real estate, $1 billion in agriculture. There very, multiple people have served and in, in higher up in, in leadership. Mitt Romney, his family is Mormon. They've been in politics for a long time. Some prominent figures. Steve Young, 49er fans. He went to Brigham Young University. Um, Glenn Beck, maybe you know the name. I guess Ryan Gosling grew up Mormon. So there you have it. Um, there, There's some... There's some, definitely some fam, fam, uh, famous people. So that's the history, and I'm already 13 minutes into this, but that's the most important part because any serious historical scholarship um, really puts a dent in the founding of the Mormon church, whereas uh, to, to prove that Joseph Smith really was a fraud. Here's what... Uh, I just want to read this section from this book. It's called Kingdom of the Colts. There's about 80 pages on Mormonism. It's really fascinating. He says this, <clears throat> Mr. Howe obtained a statement signed by 62 residents of Pal- Palmyra, New York, and one, cannot, uh, one that cannot be ignored by any serious student of Mormonism. So these 62 residents signed the statement on, uh, that described the Smith family, all right? They were kind of condemning who they were. This is what it says. We, the undersigned, have been acquainted with the Smith family for a number of years while they resided near this place, and we have no hesitation in saying that we consider them destitute of moral character, which ought to entitle them to the confidence of, uh, entitle them to the confidence of any community. They were particularly famous for visionary projects. Spent much much of their time in digging for money, which they pretended was hid in the earth. And to this day, large excavations may be seen in the earth not far from their residence where they used to spend their time in digging for hidden treasures. Joseph Smith Sr. and his son Joseph were in particular considered entirely destitute of moral character and addicted to vicious habits. So there you have it. That's the history. So what does the LDS church believe? We kind of got into some of the things a little bit, but I want to just summarize here. Let's just go down the list. There's, I actually have this. Very extensive four pages charts of Christianity, Mormonism from pulled from their founding documents. So you're going to love it. It's going to be perfect. All right. It took me 10 minutes to write this because I just copied and pasted from a, a website. So uh, a lot of this is taken from books. So don't think that JT's is super smart. I just read today and then made this and here we are. So you could do it too. Um, what does the LDS church believe? First, they believe it's a polytheistic religion. So polytheistic, they believe in many gods. Actually, in an, infinite, an infinite amount of gods. In fact, all of you in their doctrines are considered a god. You were... Oh man, I can't even get into it. Basically, all of you exist, pre-existed your human state as spirit babies, really. They called it... Um, God's embryo. You are God's embryos. And so, basically, they believe God, Heavenly Father, is an exalted man with a physical body of flesh and bone. The Trinity is denied with the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, seen as three separate entities or three separate beings. So what they believe about God is that he existed as we are now, but he exalted His state through obedience to their law to a place where he is deity, who then populates the planet with his spouse, because the way that the, the kind of the end goal of Mormon theology is to be in the celestial kingdom with your spouse, procreating, creating spirit babies that then now come to earth. I'm not joking. It's really sad. This is what they teach. Your common Mormon. If you know him, if you know them, they might not know the, this thing, but it's these things. But they're, it's in their doctrine. So they believe that God. So God existed as a man. And obeyed the law in order to become a god. But if you have a law, right? Who's the moral standard of that law? And where did that person come from, right? It, usually you have to have a beginning, right? You have to have a moral standard. A moral being that you judge everything by. And this is the problem with Mormonism. is Since they have an infinite number of gods, they don't have a god that was in the beginning, let's just say. <laughs> it just keeps going on and on and on. Um, you... If you obey the Mormon law and the the Book of Mormon, the things that they believe, you will become gods and you will rule over a planet. There's multiple planets with multiple gods. It's really interesting. So what do they believe about Jesus? Jesus was the spiritual firstborn son of God, actually born. Like God and his wife procreated. Jesus was born son of God in pre-existence. He is also the only begotten physical offspring of God by procreation on earth. His atonement, death, and resurrection provides immortality for all people regardless of their faith. Okay? What do they believe about Scripture? Let's just keep going. I'm not going to spend so much time on this because I have these charts for you. You can look at Scripture. Mormons hold to what is called continual revelation. Do Christians hold to continual revelation? Do you know what that means? Anyone? What is continual revelation? Anyone? Anyone? Beyond scripture. 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 Yes. Okay, right? So us Christians, we believe that the canon, God's divine revelation of the Bible has been closed. There's no more adding to scripture, right? No more adding additional revelation. But Mormons believe that revelation from God keeps going. Through the prophets, and their prophets are the presidents of the LDS church. There's been 17 presidents starting with Joseph Smith. And so when they speak, they are speaking as if God is speaking. Okay? And so they believe in five sources of revelation one is the Book of Mormon, two is the Doctrine and Covenant, uh, and three, the Pearl of Great Price, all written by Joseph Smith, the KJV Bible. When interpreted correctly, that's what they say. All right. When interpreted correctly, that's really important. And five, by living prophets. Okay. So they still believe that God is speaking today outside of their books. Does it make sense? We don't believe God speaks. We believe that God speaks in and through his word. And when a preacher uh, exposits the word in its original context and meaning, uh, it's as if God is speaking but we're not saying that JT's words now are on par with scripture right remember the roman catholic church their tradition was on par the pope was on par with scripture and actually above it in the same way they you have the bible the book of mormon everything's on par together in fact their prophets have the final say so humanity what do they believe about humanity people are pre-existed spiritual offspring of a heavenly father and mother Humans are born good and are God's embryos. (laughs) As man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. A famous, one of their prophets said that. Did you catch that? As man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. There's your doctrine right there. That's the Mormon doctrine. Salvation. Jesus' atonement provided immortality for all people. Exaltation uh, to godhood is available only to Mormons through obedience to the LDS teachings. Faith, baptism, which if you're baptized, it means that you're part of Aaron's priesthood. Um, uh, endowment, celestial marriage, which only happens in the temple. And tithing, okay? They're really strong on tithing, which is why they're so wealthy. Salvation is by grace after all we can do. Second Nephi twenty five twenty three. That's what their scriptures teach, okay? Um, They use use the term grace, but it's coupled with all the things that you have to do as well. It's a works-based religion. The afterlife. There are four places one is sent to in the afterlife. One, exaltation into the... So there's three levels, the three heavens. (laughs) Uh, The exaltation in the celestial kingdom. That's for the faithful Mormons where, they become, where, where people may become gods or angels, where they could procreate with their wives. It's a very sexual uh, theology in a lot of ways. Um, and so everything is family-driven. That's why they have big, large families, because these spirit babies need to be populated on the earth. It's, it's, it has everything to do with their, their family-oriented, which actually is really appealing. Um, if you go to Utah, it's a very family family oriented state. It's so fun. They're so nice. They're so loving. I love the state of Utah. It's very conservative. You can walk in and out of a gun store with a gun, just like that. It's pretty cool. Uh, nah, that's a second. That's 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 a different point. But very very conservative morally. Very traditional morally. Okay. So those that obey, they, they become gods. That's the first level. The second is the terrestrial kingdom. It's for righteous non Mormons. So if you're a good Christian, you might you're gonna go to this. A good Christian, you're gonna go to this level. And then the third level below is the telestial kingdom uh, for wicked and ungodly. But it's not hell. So you still get to go there. And you could actually, I'm pretty sure you can uh you could you could still earn your way up into the terrestrial I'm, I'm pretty sure. And then the fourth is outer darkness. That is for anyone who apo- who apostasizes, who who leaves the Mormon faith and commits the impartible, unpardonable sin. So that's kind of their hell, I guess. So, why is Mormon Mormonism appealing? I already mentioned some of these. The martyrdom of Joseph Smith Jr. gave traction to the end-time hopes of the Mormon disciples. That kind of set it off um, in a lot of ways. If that wouldn't have happened, if the folks in Illinois and wherever that city is didn't rush the prison, probably wouldn't be as as explosive as it is today. Mormonism prioritizes evangelism. This is a point I really want to capture here. All Mormon men and women are trained and sent on a two-year mission out of high school. That's what you do. And so they are very passionate and very zealous for evangelism, which is an indictment upon Christians, really. They are the most passionate about reaching those that aren't that are lost in their, in their eyes. far more than I mean, Christianity is so much bigger, but out of all the cults, like the way that they structure their evangelistic endeavors is an indictment on us, and they have the false truth they, they have they have false doctrine. They're passionate about false, false truths. And we have the true truth as Christians. And yet, we're nowhere near as passionate about evangelism as they are. And so, yeah, you'll probably see these, these young young boys, young, young, young women on their missions two years away from home. And across the country, across in other countries, it's pretty amazing. Um, Mormonism three promote, promotes traditional family values, a moral life, big families. They're some of the sweetest people. Maybe you know them. I know Caitlin was baptized in the in the Mormon Church. Um, a lot of her family members are Mormons. She grew up in Utah, so she's actually still part of the Mormon Church in some ways, according to their doctrine. <laughs> but I, I deny that. Uh, so technically, technically, but. Um, they're some of the sweetest people. I love going, to, I'm serious when I, when I go and hang out with them. I knew a lot of Mormons growing up. My mom was friends with more, many of them. Um, my mom was an instructor at a gym and, and still is, is friends to them to this day. Um, and they're they're so sweet. They're very moral. They call themselves Christians, but they're so far, so far. But this is really appealing, really appealing to people. So how does this hold up against biblical christianity well i have the whole chart there for you there's a lot obvious i think it's really obvious we do not believe in a works-based salvation we believe that we're saved by grace through faith in christ alone not after all that we could do but we do all that we can do because we have been saved it doesn't merit our salvation we believe in one god and one god only i want to read this this verse Isaiah 43. This is a great verse to use in witnessing to Mormons. You could actually, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Isaiah 43 is the only verse I'm going to turn to because it it kind of puts a stake in their... They believe the Bible. They They hold to the King James Version. So, Isaiah 43, Verse 10. Verse 10. Isaiah 43, verse 10. There's so many good passages you could pick that show that the Bible teaches that there is one God and one God only. Okay? That's what we're doing here. Isaiah 43, 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Go to Isaiah 44. Just turn the page. Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. says this, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and the Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. <laughs> if we're all gods, that you get to see what the Bible's saying, there is no God. There's one God and one God only. This is a problem for the LDS Church, and it's a great starting place in evangelizing to them. Because and, and I would also recommend evangelizing, if you can, with the King James Version Bible, because that's the one that they use, and it's a great translation. All my favorite Puritans used it. So, uh, let's keep going. Verse 7. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I am appointed to an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. So there you have it. Right then, right there. Um, that... That's just one of the things that I want to draw out. There's obviously a lot more. Jesus is not a created being, he is God. Uh, John 1, 1 through 3, Colossians 1, 15 through 20 or through 22, which you can look up with this chart. So, how do we share the gospel with those who hold to this false teaching? I want to open up to some questions too. How do we share the gospel with those who hold to this false teaching? One, I just said it use scripture. You're, this has tons of scripture references, but use scripture. The best thing you can do is use a King James Version Bible and to show how the LDS doctrine contradicts the scriptures. That's what this chart is, okay? So use scripture, be confident in scripture. They know scripture very well. It will make it seem like they, they have a good understanding of the Bible, but it, it's a facade. It, it really is. Um, they, have, they don't have much, uh, they, they don't interpret the Bible correctly, they don't read it in its context. Um, and so be confident. Use scripture. Second, center on the triune God. So Mormons are polytheists. We are monotheists. So using scripture to show that the Bi- the Bible talks about one God in three persons is key. Especially Jesus, not being a created being, but being the creator. Uh, John 1, 1 through 4. Jesus is the creator, not the creation. Okay? So God is Uh, There's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All are divine, all are co-equal, co-eternal with one another. And the last one is the most important. Focus on the law and the gospel. So, what does the law say? You know this, come on. What does the law say? Do. Do, that's right. So, Mormons believe that they enter heaven by doing. But they believe the scriptures as well. So take them the passages. I have some on here. To show them that they cannot live up to the standard of God's law. Galatians 3.10. If you rely on works of the law, you, are, you must obey all the work. You must, obey, you must do all things written in the law to do them. Or you're under a curse. James 2.10. If you break the law in one point, you have become guilty of all of it. Luke 10.25-28. Jesus is talking to a lawyer and the lawyer says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the greatest commandment. What is it? He says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you must love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and live. The standard for, for eternal life is perfect, perpetual, personal obedience 24-7. You must be perfect as God as your father in heaven is perfect, Matthew five forty eight. So hold them to that standard. Are you perfect? Have you ever lied, right? Have you ever lusted in your heart? Have you ever not done something you should do? Take them through the 10 commandments, show them the law and then teach them the gospel. Preach the gospel to them. I guess I got caught, cut off here. Show them that Jesus came to fulfill the law for them. Die on the cross for their sins, Raise to new life. That he is the king of kings, the lord of lords. That there is one God who has come to save sinners like you and me. Focus on that. Works-based salvation versus salvation by grace. There's much more that we could say. But I'm going to end there. Any questions? I'm going to pass these out for you. Because I know you've been waiting for it. 75 of them. I might need to pray out more. So if I do, just let me know. Any questions? Caitlin is here to answer some questions as well, since she's a she's a prophet. In the <laughs> Go ahead, Caitlin. Uh, you said in 1830 Smith founded the Church of Christ, and we made it to the LDS in 1830. Does that have anything to do with the modern denomination that is now known as Church of Christ? There's two do- There's two. There was a split. <laughs> in the LDS church I, I I don't know that specific you mean how they how they changed their name recently is that what you're talking about or no oh, 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 oh no 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 that, that's different church of Christ is not not Mormon not LDS yes I know what you're talking about they believe in baptismal regeneration and some other things no it's not the same Isaiah, Isaiah. what what, what? Did the mob that that stone that country really and kill them? What did they believe? They must have believed something that the, they must have now write like the modern religion, like they were either Jehovah, what did his Yeah. No, that's a great question. I think the main thing is that they were kind of disgusted at the fact that many of the leaders and the prophets of the that in the LDS church were polygamous. They had multiple wives. 10 wives, 12 wives, uh, multiple kids. Yeah. Maybe not as much as Solomon, though, that's for sure. Um, I know, even even in the Old Testament, we have, we have examples of polygamists. David was a polygamist, Solomon was one as well. But that practice was illegal in the United States, which is actually going towards that now, <laughs> again. It should be illegal in the United States. Yeah, I know. So... So, so that was one of the things, they were disgusted with their way of life, and Joseph Smith had led an attack on the newspaper company first, so that, that's kind of why, um, in that moment. Anyone else? Anyone know, Mormon friend, anyone have a Mormon friend? Okay, a couple, okay. There's one church off Rural Street, in um, off Mol- Mol- Alpine, and Rural Street, so... That's where I think that's the only Mormon church in Rockford area. So, mm-hmm. que- question. Sorry, I, there's a few. Yeah, go. As a Christian, how would you um, talk to a Mormon about the polygamy part of it? Being that in the Old Testament there were so many, yeah. I think most most uh, most Mormons today would kind of shy away from that. That we don't believe that anymore. But there is a sect that does that—that's in Missouri. There's about 250,000 of th- this. They're not just in Missouri. That's—that's that's a lot for Missouri. Uh, they're spread out all around uh, the globe. That still believe and practice polygamy. Um, yeah. Do um, <laughs> you have anything to say about that? Like, I'm sure you could bring it up. Like, this is in your history, but. Yeah, the fourth one in 1890. So there's a split in the LDS church because the fourth president, which is the prophet, right, uh, renounced that teaching so that the U.S. government government would not attack them. Um, so then the split happened. The loyalists, to Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and Taylor, the third president. I don't know his first name. And then guys after that. So, And the Utah, Utah is kind of the... They're, they're not the conservative ones, I guess, that still hold to that, um, the Utah crew, but they don't, they don't like each other. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyone else with a question? Isaiah, I know you have a question, but I'm gonna let someone else, since you already asked one, if there's anyone else. Yeah? Is, it, is there any traditional part of it, like the Catholicism at all, or is there take any approach to the traditional part of it? Like holding, two, what do you mean? Oh, yes, cultural Mormonism. Like that, like a cult, yeah, for <laughs> sure. You want to yeah. speak to that? I would say a lot of Mormons in Utah are Mormon. Which is it, yes. why I said a lot of them don't know their faith. So if you go to them and you're like, did you know that there's uh, three levels of faith? You start talking about the history of the Mormon church, and they're Mormon you start scribes. yeah yeah so it's definitely true the the mor- morality in a lot of Mormon families is kind of a facade as well and we've been to we've we know people that know faithful Mormons and there's a lot of immorality there's a lot of things behind the scenes that's a lot that's hidden because obviously they don't have the holy spirit they they're still fallen in sin and so a lot of them struggle like cultural Christians today or Nominal Catholics, like, they're just as worldly. They just have the shell of religion, so...